Hi, you're listening to audio from Rock Hill Church. To check out more resources, please visit rockhilllawrence.com. Thank you for joining us. Good morning. I am not going to be cuter than that, in case you're wondering. Uh, Christ is risen. Yes, He is. Or let's try it in the original Greek, which we heard from Hosea this morning. Good job. Okay, so uh, I'm going to go Christ is risen, and let's go with good job Jesus, so we don't get confused. Okay, you ready? Christ is risen. Good job, Jesus. That's great. You know, as I have gotten, I don't know if it's gotten older or just growing up in the faith or whatever, but this week has become more and more meaningful to me. I think years ago, my wife Cindy got really into kind of the Christian calendar historically, and I think that put me on that path. And then working with Becca, who grew up in somewhat of a liturgical church, she's really given me appreciation hearing her talk about how her tradition celebrated this week, and, and, and the Christian calendar has been really meaningful for me and, and then this weekend especially. And I hope it has been for you and it'll grow in, in you in that way uh, as well. We celebrated Good Friday. I know some of you are able to be here Friday. But, uh, by the way, we part of our, it's kind of a contemplative come and go service. If you haven't been in the hallway over here behind that wall yet, you might, you might check that out after the service. We have, it's kind of a Stations of the Cross kind of experience and there's a Garden of Gethsemane in there and so if you haven't got a chance to do that, you can enter through that door right there, or you can just go in that way, and, but start on that end and go forward, and, and you get want to invite you to, to do that. But just, just the entire uh, weekend uh, has been meaningful. Uh, culturally, too, the Easter egg hunt uh, yesterday morning, we had a great time in North Lawrence, those of y'all who were able to come out. And we did something we'd never done before. We did an adult Easter egg hunt which I thought, this is about the dumbest thing we've done in a while. Boy, was I wrong. Uh, boy, was it embarrassing uh, when your worship leader's like uber competitive about getting the, the egg. It's, uh, yeah, it's a nice shade of pastel red this morning. No, it, it was getting the sight is really good. And then sunrise with our youth this morning was amazing, listening to them bear witness to the resurrection. The creativity they, they brought, uh, Zach wrote uh, kind of a reflection on Easter. and So you can hit Zach up sometime and make him read it to you. I'm sure he would love that, so have at it. You know, Easter is a celebration of life. Life from God. Life made available by God. Life that he... Jesus came announcing the kingdom of heaven is at hand, he called it, near, right there within our reach, available in the common ordinary ways. Before he went to the cross, before the tomb, he's talking about life. I have come, he said, that you might have life and that you might have it fully. And then he went and he gave his life. His body for us, broken. You know, I think the thing that's stood out most, I'm not really sure why, but this week as I reflected on the story, was the role of Jesus' body 
in this week. And I just paid attention to that as I, as I read through the Gospels and the story, how much was his body engaged so different than the disciples. I, as I was in the, our little station over there in the Garden of Gethsemane and this week and reading uh, from Matthew, and he tells us that when they went to the garden to pray shortly before Jesus' arrest unknowingly to the disciples, uh, their bodies were shutting down. Matthew tells us they were grieving from sorrow, and it sent them in to a slumber and to a sleep. And Jesus keeps calling them, please pray with me, but their bodies wouldn't cooperate. They slept. And then when it, Jesus needed them most, their bodies fled. They weren't there. But not Christ. He stayed. Every part of his person, I'm sure, felt the temptation to do what his disciples were doing. Heart, mind, soul, body. But he stayed. He stayed present. He awkwardly went through it. He suffered incredible pain on our behalf. Things got so tough for him in every way, that last week especially. His execution, while his followers have fled, he was giving his life. One of the things Jesus did that last week, we talked about this our last week, last Sunday, was he went to the temple. And when he got there, he was pretty disturbed what he found in the temple. He found the temple looking more like a market than a place that represented where God is. So he did something about it. And in his conversation with the temple staff, he said something that shook them. He said, destroy this temple, and in three days I'll raise it. Destroy this temple. Jesus was telling them they couldn't get it, but he was telling them his disciples couldn't get it, that the temple he was referring to was what? Yeah, his body, himself. Destroy this body, and I will raise it up in three days. That's the proclamation of Easter right there. Not just that Jesus died and was raised, but that temple the dwelling of God, God coming as man was raised. That's the radical message of Easter. What, what's that say about God for you? What does it say about a God who would wrap himself in humanity? Who would come and live and walk among us as a man? What does it say about God who emptied himself of all the privileges of being God on earth and walked in poverty as a, as a blue-collar laborer among common people who had a, what appeared like not very successful ministry. What does it say about that God who would go through all the misrepresentation, misunderstanding that he experienced, people consistently not getting it? What does it say about that God who would give his life unjustly, who would be accused wrongly, who would be tried 
illegally and executed. Well, a whole lot more than I or we can understand for sure. The theologians are still scratching their head, but I think there's a few things that we can surmise, and I want to do that in the next few minutes. I want to look at three words surrounded by Scripture that might help us consider this temple, this dwelling place of God in action. The first word is substitution. I think that's one way to think about the temple among us. 600 years before Christ came on earth, the prophet Isaiah, he preached this message and he recorded this message. He, he was announcing that the Messiah would come and bear the weight of sin in his body. Listen to his words. We looked at it last week. Think about it again. He took up our pain. He bore our suffering, yet we considered Him punished by God, stricken by Him and afflicted. But He was pierced for our transgressions. That's the focus, not what God is doing, but what the benefit of what He's doing. He was crushed for our iniquities and the punishment that brought us Peace was on Him. And by His wounds, we are healed. You know, there's something oddly ironic about this. An innocent man suffering unjustly for others. It's very odd, the injustice of it. But I think upon deeper thought, it's not irrational, because that's what love does, is it not? To love, wouldn't pure love do that? Choosing to take the place and penalty of someone guilty. Pure love wouldn't be so concerned about what they deserved. Love would just say, can I take the punishment in their place. That's what a good father would do for their child. That's what a lover would do for their beloved. That's what a friend would do for a lifelong friend. Substitution. You care more about them than you do about them getting what's coming to them. Isaiah adds, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. He who knew no sin became sin. That's what love does. That's what love did. Substitution. Well, if this is true, if these words are true, that's a whole lot off your back, isn't it? 
That's a whole lot you don't have to bear. That's a lot you don't have to carry any longer. Your guilt, your sin, your transgression, your mess, the Lord laid on Him the iniquity of us all. In Jesus, this injustice of it all, injustice converged on the cross in such a simple, rudimentary, yet profound way. Christ gave Himself up for us, for you. It's worth celebrating, isn't it? The second word, sacrifice, it's related to the first. Destroy this temple, and I will raise it up in three days. The temple was where people came to meet God. Annually, at least, every person of God would go to the temple. And they would offer sacrifice. There's a special day called the Day of Atonement. They would bring an innocent animal a sheep, a cow, a bird, if that's what they could afford, as payment for their sin. They would offer it to the priest who would then make sacrifice. He would kill the animal on their behalf. It was so unjust for the animal. It's an innocent animal, but the life was given on behalf of the guilty. And they were supposed to feel that injustice to the innocent. It was supposed to bother them. But also remind them that a life had been given. One of Jesus' followers wrote this beautiful reflection on this practice of sacrifice in the temple. It's in the book of Hebrews, chapter 10. Listen, he says, the same sacrifices repeatedly, endlessly, year after year, can never make perfect those who draw near to worship. There's a tragedy in that. Otherwise, they would not have stopped being offered for the worshipers would have been cleansed once and for all. And would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But not the case. They come back every year to the ritual. These sacrifices are an annual reminder. Not of their forgiveness, but of their sin. For it's impossible, he writes, for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. And then there's this beautiful bridge he crosses. In Hebrews, he writes, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you do not desire. Notice what he says, but a body you have prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings, you are not pleased. And I said, here I am, Lord. I have come to do your will, my God. And by that will, we have been made holy 
through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ. No way can I say that any better. Just sit with that for a moment. Once and for all. You see that this annual sacrifice the priests are making. The priest is as sinful as the people bringing the sacrifice. They're just like us, but in Jesus. We had God who had become flesh. God who had lived sinlessly. Who had said no to temptation over and over. Who was purely holy. Made the ultimate sacrifice of himself. Shed his blood. He died on a criminal's cross. Justice and injustice meeting in Jesus' body. And he was raised to life. The third and last word is access. Paul continues, or whoever wrote Hebrews, we think it could have been Paul. He says, therefore, we who have confidence to enter the holy place, that's the center of the dwelling of God. That's the temple. That's, that's where the Ark of the Covenant was. That's where the showbread was. It's where the fire burned continuously. It's where the high priest went in there one day a year. It was so holy they had to tie a rope around his ankle in case he had unconfessed sin in his life. And he was slain by the guilt of his sin. They would drag him out. By the rope. That's the holy place. Since we have confidence. Can you imagine being that priest? That high priest on the day of atonement? Let me ask you this. How confident would you have been? That this was going to go well for you? I don't know. How I would feel about that. Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by, how? The blood of Jesus. Substituting. Given in sacrifice. By a new and living way open for us through the curtain. That is his body. See, there was a curtain that separated a holy place that only the high priest passed through once a year. Since we have a high priest, a great priest over the house of God, let us now, what? You see it? Draw near to God. And with a sincere heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled. That's a metaphor that was given to the priest to make the priest holy. He would be sprinkled. With the blood. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. Who wants some of that? Sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. And having our bodies washed with pure water. So let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. No one could make this up. It's too ridiculously unjust and just all at the same time. 
Only God could do this. A new and living way. When Jesus died on the cross, this new and living way becomes accessible. Something happens when Jesus dies on the cross that I think often gets lost in the telling of the Passion Week. Something about a curtain. When Jesus had cried out, Matthew writes in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. You want to explode your head? Read, read the end of Matthew 27. He, he says more than just the curtain. He says like the earth shook. You ready for this? It's, he says holy people came out of their graves and like walked around in town. I wonder if that made the Jerusalem press. I think all of creation like didn't know what to do. Even like the impersonal ground, a, a curtain that, that's made up of cloth. This is, this is so uh, disturbing and bringing rejoicing in creation. It's reacting. If you just use your imagination for a moment. I don't have this figured out. So don't build theology around anything I'm saying right now. I'm just saying the creation went. Whoa. It shook. This curtain that skilled laborers had fabricated, that was thick, that separated the holy place, could do nothing but tear. This curtain that prohibited common folks from entering the presence of God. The center, it's no longer. The moment Jesus gives up his life, it's ripped. And Hebrews says this curtain was Jesus' body that was torn for us, ripped asunder, and now access is ours. Common, sinful, messy people. That's the new and living way. Now can stand in the presence of God. Sacrifice, substitution, giving access freely. This resurrection of a body, Jesus' body, is no small matter. It's miraculous. Only God could do it. Peter wrote, for Christ suffered once and for all the just for the unjust to bring us to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. What a beautiful explanation of the effect of Jesus' death and resurrection. The righteous for the unrighteous, put to death, to what? Bring you to God. That's what's behind it. That's what was behind the curtain all along. To bring you to God. For so long, we couldn't stand in His presence without experiencing un being undone. 
ruin, holiness meeting the unholy. That wasn't working. And Jesus, the holy, wrapped himself in flesh. And he makes it holy. He makes it right. That is what love does. That's what a good father or mother would do. If they could make things just perfect for their kid, they would do it. That's what's in their hearts, what's in their intention. They can't. But our father did. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. And so now for those who step into this, receive this, confess this, attach themselves to this, align their lives under this, become part of this, his followers, his family. This is now your identity. Made alive by the Spirit. Alive. That's what we celebrate. You know, our culture tries. We don't know what to do with Easter. So we have eggs and bunnies and pastel colors. And I'm, I'm glad for all of those. I like them all. But it doesn't get at life. It's, it's trying. It's trying to be symbols of life. But life is Christ being raised up in bodily resurrection. That's where life comes from. And Jesus says those who believe will pass from death to life through simple childlike faith. Destroy this temple and I will raise it in three days. And he did. This is the historical event that is the anchor of our soul. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you've aligned and attached your life to Jesus, this is your identity. Raised to life in Jesus. So I'll close with a simple question. Is this your identity? Is hope the color of your soul? Regardless of what may be going on to your body, what's going on in your life, is hope residing? I don't mean wishful optimism. I don't mean like conjuring up happy thoughts or trying to stay positive with everything that's going on in the world. I'm asking, do you have peace and joy residing deeply within? I'm not implying perfectly. We're still human. But I'm asking you, is it there? Is life there? That's what Jesus came for. You can have this hope. It's not for religious people. It's for sinful people. It's for people in the flesh 
It's people who struggle with what you struggle with. It's people who have loneliness and sadness and discouragement and depression like you do. It's for people who've messed up their lives. It's for people who've done stuff that no one else knows in the dark. That's why we call it good news. We're qualified. We have access. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would receive him, believe in him, would have what? Everlasting life. Life that doesn't stop. Life that endures. Life that swells larger as we grow older. We have, we have a practice we do here at Rock Hill, not Raquel, right? Yeah. At Rock Hill, from time to time. Um, and we do it usually fairly spontaneously, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Uh, but we're going to take three minutes, that's all, so, so we've got time for one or two of you. We, bear, we stand and we give witness to the effect of Christ in our lives. And we tell, so here's the simple question. I want to encourage one or two of you to stand and just take, be brief, please. Uh, the lamb or the ham or whatever is in the oven, right? Be brief. What's the effect of Jesus' life on your life? How is resurrected life? How is it playing out for you? Maybe one way to think, one prison, I know it's a big question, but be like, what have you thought about this Holy Week? I shared mine. What's, what's been dense for you as you've gone through this. You, you can, those are just different kind of flavors of asking the same question. Well, who is Jesus to you, his life? Let's let you have that word, one or two of you, and then we'll close in worship. Who, who will stand? I'm very comfortable with silence, so I'm, I'm not getting anxious. So you, you can be too. Yeah, talk loud, Ryan. Okay, it's not on yet. Okay, there it is. So I was thinking, man, what does the resurrected life of Christ look like practically? And I was like, I see it in my friends. Like, I see Jesus' life in my friends as I interact with them. Um, and they know what I'm talking about. And it's not just in my friends. It's in, like, you and, and a bunch of you guys that I know. It's like, when I interact with you, I know there is something that is not of you that is in you. And if you guys are new here and you've interacted with some of us, like, that's Jesus. That's the resurrected life of Jesus in us. And I just woke up with that this morning after a wonderful day of just Saturday with the boys just hanging out, you know. And so (laughs) it's just really cool just to see how, like, Jesus transforms us. And I, I come away from people who have Jesus inside of them, and I feel encouraged, and I feel like I have more life, and I feel like I am seen and known and loved yeah, by Jesus. That's awesome, right? Thank you. Man, there's a lot of... That's great.
We got time for one more. You don't even have to top that, just whatever you got. Okay, Mackenzie, thank you. Hi, I'm Mackenzie. Um, the the thing that stuck out to me the most, um, just been reading through Matthew, and um, was Judas actually, um, and just the the remorse that he felt, um, and so he you know goes back to the temple and like throws the thirty coins, thir- thirty a piece of silver. And just says, like, take it back. I don't want it. Like, I changed my mind. And it struck me this morning, like, that he was going to this, like, place of religiosity, like, um, to the temple to kind of, like, seek restitution. Um, And I don't know if his response of committing suicide was based off of the chief priest not receiving his money um, back, their money. but it just struck me that, like, Jesus still died for that. That, that if Jesus would have turned the other, or I mean, if Judas, if Judas would have turned the other way and gone to Jesus, um, Jesus would have received him in grace. And uh, just, it, yeah, that, that he went to religiosity um, instead of uh, the risen Savior who died for him. So has been meaningful to me just to think about um, just the grand humility that Jesus displayed even um, to Judas. So. Yeah, thank you, Mackenzie. And it's so beautiful to think about and I think worthy of reflection on Judas. And One of the reasons I unknowingly did that, I say unknowingly because I didn't, I didn't even know if I was going to ask, you know, share and didn't know if and and what would be shared, but I think one of the things that really is meaningful is we, we got just there for a minute to experience not just like Jesus' life being like proclaimed in a sermon, which is good, that's an important part of church, but we also got to just hear a little bit about the life that's in and among us. Which is also, by the way, if you're new to this, called the body of Christ. We are not a bunch of nice people trying to get nicer. Uh, We'd like to be those things, and some days we have good days. What what is going on here is much more than that. Um, And some days we're not even that nice. (laughs) But we are sharing in a life. That is this life that Jesus gave on our behalf. And that's not just true for Rock Hill. That's true for his church. Some days we do it pretty beautifully. Some days, eh. But this is his life we share. And I want to invite you into his life. Jesus and his people. If it's not here, may it be somewhere. We would love it if this it's here. But we don't self-promote. We invite you to Jesus and find his life. I hope you will. If you'd like to talk to someone about how do I find his life, it's really not complicated. It's just brutally hard. 
because it, it means saying no to yours and saying yes to his. And when you're doing that, it feels like death to us. And then, there, and then there's going to be moments on the journey, it's going to feel like death again, all over again. And it's because it is. We're made alive in the Spirit, and then we learn living and training in that Spirit. And we learn what Jesus said was right. If anyone come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow. But here's what Easter celebrates. On the other side of that cross is life that you cannot imagine, we cannot imagine the richness of. The hardness of sometimes, absolutely. But the beauty and the wonder, it, you won't, not going to find it anywhere else. It's in Jesus. Let me pray. So I'm, I'm asking again, if you want to talk to someone, I'd love to talk to you. person next to you may be a great person for you to talk to. We'd love you to help. It's just coming to a place where I believe in Jesus. And I want to give my life. I believe he gave his life as a sacrifice substitution for me and I want that life I want to live in that life as his child as his follower it's really that simple and it's really that hard and it's really better than you're thinking about right now it's that good and last point it ain't gonna end only God can do that let me pray Worship team, you're welcome to come up So pray. Lord, I pray that you would bring your life, make it fresh, make it new. There may be people in, in, in hearing, whether it's right here in the room or they're watching online or watching later, that your Holy Spirit is poking, nudging, Lord, we're made alive in the Spirit. We have to have that Spirit doing that. We're not going to get that life because someone said something and that did it for us. It's you who gave your life, living in your Spirit, that brings that change in us. Lord, we've already said we're not good enough for it. We weren't good enough for it the day we received it. We're still not good enough for it. But we have access to you. We have, have and are being made new through this sacrifice given. And we celebrate that the death of Jesus was not in the end. That he was made alive by the Spirit in his body. Every part of him, heart, mind, spirit, soul, body, made alive. And now you share that with us. As individuals, as we come to you alone, and as a community, as we bring ourselves in your presence as a people. So God, if you're nudging someone right now, give them courage to say, yes, I will take the step towards Jesus. That may mean they fill out a welcome card on the back of the pew, and say, I'd love to meet with someone to talk more about this. It may be they pick up the phone and call someone and say, I need to talk. It may 
be, they tap someone on the shoulder right next to them and say, can we talk as soon as this is over? God, give them courage just for the next step towards Jesus. I pray no one will leave here doing what Judas did that Mackenzie talked about, turning their back in their shame, going to the wrong place with their guilt. Oh God, give them clarity and courage to bring it to Christ. Lord, we're asking these things as your people, our resurrected Lord, do it. We ask you with all the sincerity and the humility we're capable of. In Jesus' name, amen.